Welcome to the Garbage Fire Podcast, aka MFKS Radio, on the airwaves dial at 487.52. Your pod is hosted by Kelsey and Megan, who beat on boats against the current, born back ceaselessly into the past. Alright. So this is going to be chapters 8 and 9. Let's do it. Of The Great Gatsby. Let's finish this. And before we do, I would just like to point out that we had to record that intro twice. And the part that Kelsey did from memory, no problem. The part she read <laughs> off the page, problem. Oh. <laughs> Which is... No, that's not true. Actually, three times. Three times. <laughs> because the first time you pressed record, and then I said nothing, because my brain stopped working. It was just sheer terror. Oh, boy. Okay, so we've got an opening question here to get us started for the end of this book, which has taken us two months to do. Um, what quality in yourself do you most admire and or despise? Um, for me, I think it's the same thing. Um, I very much try to be sort of like the kind of person that's very dependable and like, yes. um, and, and will, you know, sort of do things for other people and and whatnot, but that is also a flaw because I do it and I generally don't expect anything in return, Mm -hmm. but because I don't ever expect anything in return, I never get anything in return, Mm -hmm. and I find that to be um, me being like a bit of a doormat, which does not ring true for my personality really at all, but I just kind of like let it happen, Yeah, because I don't like confrontation, so I'm just sort of like, okay. Air. I'm feeling like very sensitive about that since you're driving me to the airport today. <laughs> oh no, I offered. It's all good. Don't worry about it. I also just figured you'd probably ask, so I was like, nah, right. <laughs> I wasn't rant. gonna actually. I was gonna take an Uber. Um, but I appreciate. Well, I also that figured because we were recording today and you're leaving, I thought it would be dumb for me to like, come out. Wouldn't blame you, Megan. <laughs> <laughs> wouldn't blame you at all. However, but the, here, the, that's a perfect situation. I know that if I would be like, hey, can I get a ride to the airport? Yeah. And if you could do it, you would. I know that. 100%. Whereas, like, there's other people in my life where, like, I feel <laughs> that there's just, like, a lot of taking. Right. And But it's also me giving and them taking, and then I, there's just nothing in return. Right. But, like, I'm too nice to, like do anything about it and I feel like at a point that becomes a problem for sure yeah I can see that I think also some some personality types are so much more open to taking than giving like they don't know how to give Mm -hmm. like you almost have to be trained and educated in how to give so that it matters to someone and so that it's something that they want or they need Mm because I think there's people in both your and my life where you just are given random things and you're like, but this isn't for me, this is for you. Mm-hmm, absolutely. So I, I get that. It's hard to, I think it's hard to do both, to be honest. Oh, I'm really trying to think about this. This is what happens when you don't see each other for like I know. three weeks. This is going to be hilarious now oh, because good. it's my <laughs> hesitancy to make decisions. 
I have a hard time saying yes to things, but I will always say no to a thing. And that doesn't make for a very good life sometimes, mm -hmm. or ambitious life sometimes, but that's the way it goes, bro. Mm -hmm. That's what the Zoloft is for. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess we're talking about Gatsby then. Hey? We are talking about Gatsby. And it's funny, I as I sort of feel um, in certain respects anyway, that in that respect, Gatsby and I are the same. In that he's very willing. I mean, he's got an agenda, obviously, yes. in this case. But I think... You know, before, um, you know, before Daisy and Tom kind of ever show back up for real into his life, where, where they're not just the light on the end of the dock, mm -hmm. um, I think that he's got that capacity to give and give and give, to give and give and give and expect zero in return from anyone. Yeah. And like, even when he asks Nick, um, in chapter five and like at the end of four and five, like to set up the... Mm -hmm. thing but it's like yes Jordan like it's it's all this very roundabout like if it's not too much trouble would you mind like all this kind of thing and he's expecting it to be just like this sort of onerous task and it's not mm -hmm. um, but he has this I think he has this really hard time sort of asking for or expecting anyone to like do anything for him mm -hmm. for whatever reason and ironically it's when he asks something of someone that it all falls apart for him. Yes, absolutely. <sighs> he just asks them for one thing. Yeah, but fucking get real, Gatsby. <laughs> God. Get your head out of your ass and get in the game. <laughs> I don't know what the game is. <laughs> we got some feelings about this, apparently. <laughs> the game of love. Ugh. Which is always a losing game. I'm happily married. <laughs> I had a really interesting conversation, speaking of this, and this is like sort of fits into this... Doesn't it? Yeah, it actually kind of does. Maybe not about you being happily married. But I had a really interesting conversation last week with a friend of mine about how all relationships are finite, even the ones that, like, last forever. Mm -hmm. Because at the end, somebody dies. Correct. And I was like, oh, I've never really thought about it in those respects before. Because you, there's, like, this expectation of, you know, mm -hmm. it's not going to end. But they do end. Right. And I think... That perhaps, maybe, um, Gatsby hasn't yet figured that one out. Because remember, he wants to, um, he wants Daisy to just, like, pretend, like, the last five years have never happened and she still loves him and whatever, whatever. Mm -hmm. And so for him, there's this, like, sort of infinite quality to... To time? To time. There, absolutely there is. Because of course you can't, you, you know, mm -hmm. of course you can repeat the past, right? Mm -hmm. That whole, that whole notion where everyone else is like, uh, dude, no, you, you can't. Imagine the shit that he would do if he had a... If he was fucking Doctor Strange with the time stone? <laughs> yeah. I'd be nuts, man. Oh, yeah. Just chaos. Absolutely Because not understanding that, like, when you go back and change something in the past, it doesn't necessarily mean that, like, everything that follows is the same. Oh, like, my God. It would be, like, President Tom Buchanan 1934. That's what would happen. Yeah, and World War II would have started then. <laughs> because it would have been Tom. <laughs> Oh, it would have been a race war, that's for sure. A different type of race war. Okay, I guess we're talking about chapter 8, question mark? Yeah, let's do it. Um, What's our chapter 8 question? Do we have Our one? chapter 8 Or like our discussion point, I don't remember what we're talking oh, about. Oh, the chapter 8 one? Yeah, like what are we... 
We already did the quality. Oh, right. Oh, right. I don't know what's happening. Megan. It's been a while. It has been a while. We both admittedly did not listen to last week's (laughs) post, so sorry. No. Watching my, or looking at my notes from last time, insanity. Yeah. I've got the child of Satan in quote marks. (laughs) Ratio, seven. No way. (laughs) And then Tomothy? What does any of that even we, mean? Crazy we, fish? <laughs> what? <laughs> we did do some planning and prepping, apparently. Um, okay, so as we left off, for those of you that are, you know, getting caught up or whatever, or if you haven't read the book, we just we left off with a car accident um, between yeah. where uh, Daisy was driving Gatsby's car. Gatsby was in the passenger seat. And they struck and killed Tom's mistress, Myrtle. And George, Myrtle's husband, um, thinks um, well, knew ultimately that that was not Tom's car, because Tom had been driving it earlier in the day. So Tom, uh, being the slippery motherfucker that he is, is going to come out of this 100% unscathed. Because he made it very clear that the yellow car he was driving uh, in the first part of the chapter was not his car. Yes. And now he's, uh, and so Gatsby takes the fall ultimately for Daisy. That's what he's planning to do. That's, that's what he's planning to do. And Nick goes and watches across the, um, he, he goes back to... Gatsby's. To Gatsby's place, and he looks across the water, mm-hmm. and he sees Tom and Daisy sitting, mm-hmm. having dinner, like nothing's happened. Yeah, and it, I find it so interesting how, at the start of chapter eight, after this whole scene when he ends the chapter by saying "watch it," that Gatsby was left there watching over nothing, Nick is worried sick. Mm-hmm. He's absolutely worried sick about the. <coughs> consequences that he knows are coming Mm -hmm. and he tries to tell Gatsby you have to go away you have to go away but Gatsby can't he won't he says he couldn't possibly leave Daisy until he knew what she was going to do not that she was coming to meet him but what she was going to do right Nick says he was clutching at some last hope and I couldn't bear to shake him free now do you think that Nick should have done more considering that he didn't try very hard to make Yatsby flee to save his potential relationship with Daisy by getting him away during this time um I think he could have tried but I don't think it would have made a difference I don't think Mm -hmm. that Gatsby would have ever given up because I think the walking away I think maybe deep deep down Gatsby understood that if he walked away that was it yeah. That there's that there's nothing left, and so I think that in doing so, I think he sort of made the choice to stay, and on the off chance that it all works out, which because leaving means that it absolutely won't work out. Yes, which begs an interesting question: Do you think that Gatsby sees this West Egg East Egg geographical location as his connection to Daisy? Like, I think if so. I'm here, then I'm connected to her. If I'm here and she's here. This, yeah. Yes. 
Um, yes, I think so. I think that he's, I think that that's part of the whole illusion that he's created is that, you know, he has this property and this beautiful house and all of the, the trappings sort of that go with it. But like at its core, the reason that it's that particular property mm-hmm. is there's like this straight line to Daisy, mm-hmm. right? Um, which is creepy as shit. Of course it is. Right? Like, it really, really is. And luckily, in so many ways, like, he doesn't really, with her, really cross a line in that way. Like, he's not, you know, he doesn't, like, get in his little skiff and, like, go across the bay. And, you know, like, he's, it's it's this he's, very removed. He's very strong about his feelings of appropriateness for boundaries. Yes. Um, whereas, like. In he, a way. <laughs> in a way. Like, he crosses the line by getting that place, mm-hmm. but he doesn't cross any other lines in that he's watching he's always just watching but he's never right there in it yeah because he understands that there's a propriety sort of involved in that but i think that like yeah i think that as soon as he moves away from that and severs that connection Mm -hmm. i think i think in his mind it's over whether it's you know an illusion or not there's nothing after that and so i feel like he sort of needs to stay right it's really unfortunate he didn't, like, go for a drive, though. Or, you know. <laughs> well, I also think that... Why can't Nick just, like, legit hide him at Nick's place? I know. Do you think the cops in 1924 are that good? Oh, no. Have you ever seen the movie LA Confidential? Yeah. Yeah, that, that's like... And that's, like, the 40s. Oh, my God. This is, like, the 1920s LA Confidential. It totally is. Kind of. But I'm just thinking about, like... You know, these, like, great detectives or whatever. Yeah. And how much shit they miss because they just look down and they're like, oh, it looks like some blood on the floor. Like, it's just such a... And also, Myrtle's a poor girl. Yeah. How much are they going to do They're not going to... The, the cops aren't going to care. No. Not really. Maybe on, like, a... From, like, a road safety perspective, they might care more than, like, a who got killed. Well, they let him speed through New York in Chapter 2. Yeah. Like, no oh, wait, one gives a shit. Two, chapter 4. Yeah. N- yeah, no, no. So the cops are never going to come looking for Gatsby. Mm, possibly not. Which is perhaps why Nick doesn't, you know, doesn't really do anything. Why does he have this bad feeling, then, that he says? Because I don't think he knows what the bad feeling is. Do you think this is Nick's first feeling of guilt in his life? possibly it's possible like shame or and I know perhaps that might be a little bit too much because obviously he was a soldier in the war but maybe this is like this is a death that is not justified right and so he's feeling shame by association or something like that right because we don't see him this worked up about anything no. And he tosses and turns and he's like running <coughs> to Gatsby as soon as the light comes up because he's just like, he can't deal. Mm-hmm. Nick's a weirdo dude. He is. Well, and the whole thing here in, in chapter eight, like, Nick goes to, Nick goes into the city the next day mm-hmm. and Gatsby doesn't. Um, and they, you know, he's, he's just kind of there and he's opening up all of the windows and, and just sort of like opening cause he doesn't feel like he feels like he's untouchable ultimately. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, and he says to, to Nick the night that the accident happens that, you know, um, he says, I can't describe to you how surprised I was to find out I loved her. Right. So he's sort of, and this is from, um, 
when they first met. Mm-hmm. And so he's sort of finally telling the story. And, you know, and Gatsby finally admits that maybe Daisy did love Tom once. Maybe mm-hmm. just a little bit, but she loved him more, so it's not a big deal. And he's sort of, you know, he's trying to rationalize all of these things that have happened. And I think Nick just, I think Nick needs to get away mm-hmm. and just kind of let Gatsby work it all out. Um, but yeah, the fact that he just leaves him. Mm-hmm. To, you it's know. strange. It is very strange because he is worried, mm-hmm. and he admits as much. Um, but he's kind of got his own shit to deal with, right? Well, he's working at this time, right? And also, like, he finally gets in touch with uh, Jordan Baker. Yeah. Um, and she's quite upset with him. You know, fairly so. But in mm-hmm. terms of before we get to Jordan, if we can kind of go back to Gatsby's true history and, mm-hmm. and how it's revealed and this very romantic description of him and Daisy's meetings together and, and their past and their history. When you read it, is there anything in there that sticks out to you as significant to understanding either of their characters or surprising or unexpected because something always sticks out to me that I don't quite understand okay what is it Uh, he says of course she might have loved him just for a minute when they were first married and loved me more even then do you see and it says suddenly he came up with a curious remark in any case it was just personal does that mean that Gatsby values business above because you don't hear that it's just personal no you say it's now it's personal yeah and, and it's, it's just, just business. business yeah so and, for and Nick, then and Nick's, Nick's next question though is what could you make of that except to suspect some intensity in his concep- conception of the affair that couldn't be measured yeah I wonder if I wonder if maybe in Gatsby's mind that Tom and Daisy's relationship in order to kind of like justify it ultimately for himself mm-hmm. if he views that as like a business transaction. Oh. Because he's not for money and Tom is. And Daisy is. And so there's that, you know. And her voice is full of money. And her and all of that. And so I wonder if huh. I wonder if maybe he views their relationship as a business transaction. And That's then his own relationship with her oh, okay. as just personal. Huh. Which in that time period yeah. wasn't necessarily enough. Especially when you came from that old money. Okay, so it's him almost degrading. Mm-hmm. Their relationship is only personal and therefore not, not enough. Not enough to be sustained or whatever. Oh, yeah, maybe okay. I don't know. I've not like I've never really. That's fair. But I think that maybe that's because yeah, he has that. Because I mean, he knows his own past. He knows where he's from. He knows what he didn't have mm-hmm. as as a young man. And so I think sort of the you know having this. Yeah, having this perception that that his relationship with her as much as he believes it's more important and whatever 
mm-hmm. it's only a personal relationship yeah and there's no like added benefit to it right mm-hmm. or at least not enough to be legitimate in the eyes of others yeah it's not viable it's not whatever yes yeah. hmm. maybe I no, I think that's fair. I've never been able really to crack what that comment is all about, especially since Nick himself believes it to be, as he says, curious. And I find it bizarre that Gatsby just, like, goes for a stroll down memory lane. <coughs> I know. Such a weird... When Daisy and Tom are on their honeymoon, he goes to visit all their old spots together. It's like, oh, boy. Mm-hmm. Oh, boy. But, yeah, Nick does go to the city. And he, but they, the, for the first time in this book, when they leave each other, they say goodbye. Mm-hmm. In like what what feels very finite. It's not just like, you know. Okay, we'll see you later, right? Yeah. Which is Nick's intention. He's gonna come back later in the day, because mm-hmm. I think he says later in the day he's coming back on the three forty five train. Mm-hmm. Like he's going in. Because he's worried about him. Yeah, he's going in about. He goes in about ten ish, and he's coming back at the three forty five. He's going to call at noon. Yeah, so he's he's not gone for very long, and so he's fully expecting just to come back. But he they do say, Gatsby says goodbye. In, like, this very sort of finite way. Mm-hmm. And then Nick says, um, before he leaves, he says, They're a rotten crowd. You're worth the whole damn bunch put together. And then in his narration, he says, I'm, I've always been glad I said that. It was the only compliment I ever gave him. Because I disapproved of him from beginning to end. You're full of shit, Nick. That makes me so angry. I know, because he admired him. Yes, he he did not disapprove of him from beginning to end. Maybe at that point he did. And maybe that's like some sort of, some vagary in the narration, right? That at that exact moment he disapproves of Gatsby from sort of top to bottom. Oh, so not necessarily linear time. No, but to just end. this, like, right now in this moment, as I'm saying this a thing. Manzuka's T to be. Yes. Gotcha. Maybe. Hmm. But but in any case, it is kind of full of shit because it makes of it sound. It is. Because it makes it sound like he didn't think of like he thought didn't think very highly of Gatsby. When it's very clear earlier on that he very much does. Yes, I find it interesting that. Nick is so hung up on this thing. It's like physical violence mm-hmm. against Myrtle in this situation because she's dead mm-hmm. is what he's upset about. He was fine with Tom punching her in the face before. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't... Nick, I, you're, he's always moving the goalpost of his morality. It's very frustrating. He is. Well, and I think part of that, too, I think we have to remember um, that... Nick's sort of version of events has been skewed by time. Yeah. Because he's telling this to us after he went back to the Midwest and after, you know, he sort of had time to process and or not process as, you know, whatever the case is. And so he's telling us this through the lens of time. And so I think sometimes some of those sort of obscure Mm -hmm. details, I think, are that way because he's not remembering the thing as it happened, but he's remembering his memory of it. Yes, and he's got... Yeah, he's... My question is, is that he's rationalizing his approval and or non-approval of Gatsby. Mm -hmm. He's titling this book The Great Gatsby. Mm -hmm. But yet, 
I don't know if you feel that positive about him or Gatsby in it. No. Like, job not well done, Nick. No, not at all. <laughs> That's true. That is very true. You want to talk about Jordan? Well, I just find that, that interesting... Um, it's Their interaction's really interesting, and she's upset with him, and rightly so, um, about, you know, the events of... For she's. And that's fair, but just their phone conversation is so finite, and it's so, um, you know, so clipped, very much like the way that Jordan Baker comes across at the beginning. It's like glib. Very much. Yeah. Um, and, and it's just, and, and then Nick finally, he's like, I don't know which one of us hung up, but I don't care. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's true. I think that's his way of sort of distancing himself from it. I think it, it, he means I don't care now. Yeah, maybe. But I'm sure he did then. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Um... And then he did call Gatsby. He told Gatsby he would call, and he did call Gatsby, and Gatsby wasn't available. Tries to call four freaking times. Yes. Yeah. And then he went back on the 350 train, and so he had about four hours, because it was almost noon. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we hear a very interesting narrative. Mm-hmm. We hear all about Myrtle's husband, Wilson, and what was going through his brain and mind in the less than 24 hours since Myrtle has died here. And he's essentially falling apart. What I find interesting in this section is it is the first section where we kind of have a change of voice here because a lot of this is repeated through uh, Michaelis, the, the Greek who lives... Uh, across the street from the Wilsons. Mm-hmm. And would you say Wilson's had, like, he's he's having a psychotic break, right? I think so. He's also super drunk, isn't he? Yes. Yeah, I think, like, he's he's going through this, like, terrible tragedy um, by himself. Yeah. Because the only person who would have been there to go through it with him is now dead. Yes. And so he's going through it by himself. And yeah, it's something like a psychotic break, and he's, like, drunk off his rocker, and... He's falling apart. Yes. He's falling apart, and he starts to put two and two together in mm-hmm. his brain. He's He keeps, like, he's, like, moaning and groaning and rocking back and forth and saying, Oh my god, oh my god. He tells them... He tells Michaelis that he remembers... A few months back, she came back from the city with a broken nose and mm-hmm. a black eye, and mm-hmm. all of a sudden he's he's realizing that she might have been up to no good a little bit more than um, he he knew, and he discovers the dog leash. Yes. From the dog that uh, Tom and her did they actually buy one, or did they talk about buying? I think they just talked about it. I don't think. Well, she kept this leash in this, you know, like, crepe paper in a drawer. And Wilson sees it and finds it, and he realizes something. He says, then he killed her. So he figures that Gatsby was the person that Myrtle's having an affair with. Mm -hmm. And that Daisy probably is Gatsby's wife. Mm Mm-hmm. And, you know, as they're driving through this valley of ashes and Myrtle comes out to confront them, which is sort of what happened-ish, mm-hmm. um, then we have this calamity that that occurs. And so he figures that it's all linked. And, and, little, and unfortunately for Wilson, he has no clue. 
No, but he's quite close. He's very he's very close and 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 also having seen the car twice in that day and yeah. you know. Even though he's kind of a dunce. Yeah. But uh, he says it was the man in that car she ran out to speak to him and he wouldn't stop. Mm-hmm. And I find it interesting because Michaelis had seen the whole thing happen. He was a witness and he didn't believe anything special happened. He says he believed that Mrs. Wilson had been running away from her husband rather than trying to stop any particular car. Mm-hmm. So I think he's kind of seeing Wilson's breakdown as something illogical and irrational and he's trying to calm him down but obviously Wilson's obsessed and he rightfully so wants some justice for her. Yeah. And the eyes come back into play after that point. They do. Can you talk about the eyes? They always fucking bug me. Well, I love what George Wilson says right before the eyes come back. Okay. Right, where he says, um, God knows what you've been doing, everything you've been doing. You may fool me, but you can't fool God. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, Michaelis is like staring at the eyes of the doctor. And so I've always sort of envisioned those eyes as like the eyes of God, right? Like mm-hmm. that sort of all seeing, all knowing, whatever. The eyes know what have, what's been going on. But Wilson's too dumb, I guess, to figure that out. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's, it's really it, it's interesting that the eyes sort of pop back in right there. Because at, at every point in time that the eyes have been mentioned, something terrible has happened afterwards. Because mm-hmm. the first time we see them is when uh, Tom breaks. Myrtle's nose, mm-hmm. and then the eyes are back when they drive through, right? And I think it's on their way to the city that Nick mentions them, and then of course the accident happens on their way back. And so yeah. every time they're there, something terrible is sort of is coming. Mm-hmm. So they're they're very much just a tool of foreshadowing. Um, yeah, for they're sure. gold rims and yeah, whatever. There's, there's interesting symbolism that goes along with them, um, which begs me to the question that would. Like, does this story function because the eyes are in there? Like, do they add something significant to this narrative? Because in, in those two situations, like we talked about last time, how it's just a plot device that they switch cars. Mm-hmm. There's no reason for them to. There's really no reason for Nick to go into the city in this chapter and leave Gatsby no. alone. If he's so worried, then fuck it, stay there. Yeah. Right? Um... What's your take on that? Do you think that that's... No, I think I think the eyes are more than just a plot device. They're mostly a plot device, mm-hmm. but I think because of that, that sort of element of foreshadowing, I think that there has to be that sort of idea that, like, you can't escape the things that you do. Right. And so in this case, these eyes... There's someone always There's watching. somebody always, whether you know it or not, and whether it's just yeah. a billboard or not, there's always something that's got its eyes on you. And I think right. that it's just this idea that, like, you can't... You can't escape the past, much like you can't repeat it. Yeah. You can't escape the things that you've done. Mm-hmm. And unless there's no one watching. Mm-hmm. Right? Which for them there never is. Which for them there never is. Yeah. Right? I mean, like, how many people saw Tom break Myrtle's nose? Like five. Right? Um, and how many people saw Gatsby and Daisy in that car? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, there, there's just no way to escape all of that. And you think about Gatsby and, like, his watching of Daisy and Tom's house. Right. And there's there's no way to do anything unless you somehow can, like, draw yourself in 
from the world outside. Mm-hmm. And even then, that's hard. Yeah, and I think that's what Daisy attempts to do. I think so. For sure. Because, obviously, she knows what it's like to be watched, not just from Gatsby, but mm-hmm. from a husband who publicly cheats. Mm-hmm. Like, of course, the eyes would be on her rather than Tom. Of course. Okay, that was a little bit of a digression. I apologize about that. Um, what I find really interesting about this chapter is the split narrative of perspectives and how Gatsby brings you, not Gatsby, Fitzgerald brings you to the conclusion of Wilson's and the steadiness and the erraticness of his actions at the same time to his own conclusions and then to the subtlety of the last two lines at the end of the chapter. Yeah. Which are heaven. Um, but you made a good point. Like, people had seen, obviously, Gatsby and Daisy in this car together. Gatsby mm-hmm. was known in this car. So it's not hard for Wilson to find out whose car that was. No, not at all. And it says he's essentially abandoned Michaelis. He's done a runner. And he says by half past two, he was in West Egg, where he asked someone the way to Gatsby's house. So by that time, he knew Gatsby's name. Yeah. Not just the car, but where to go. Mm-hmm. Where to go to find the guy who was driving the car. Or and whatever. also the guy's name. Yeah. Yeah. And then, of course, because Gatsby is just a tragedy in an envelope, he wants to finally go for a swim in his pool. The only time. The only time, because he doesn't partake in his own frivolities. None at all. Maybe it's because he's by him. Maybe we don't know that. This is always the thing that I find interesting. This is the only time that we know he's done this. But maybe he's that person, the things that, that, you know, the pool or whatever, he only does them when he's by himself and not being watched. Oh. Like his his things for his own pleasure. Yeah, like he he sort of builds this, he's built this persona. Mm Mm-hmm. With the, who that throws these parties and whatever, but you know, at some point in time, he has to relax, right? And maybe this is a thing that he does on his own. The real Gatsby. The real out. true Gatsby. What's what do you think is like the? And it's also very stripped down, right? Yes. I mean, as much as like Literally in the twenties, they still well, they still wore those weird bathing suits in the twenties, <laughs> but still. But it's very much stripped down. He's taken the suit off, and he's you know, and his hair is wet, and like there's all right. of these, you know, it's not the it's not the image of himself. His composed, yes. suited, yes, party man. I think everybody in their own time, like when you're alone in your space and you're, you have like a weird, gross habit. Like I love to pick scabs, even if they're not my own. Like love a juicy hard scab. I you're will just, pick it off anybody. That's disgusting. I know. What's yours? I just now I want to throw up is what I want to do. <laughs> um, that's so gross. What's your thing? I bite my nails, like, down to nubs. Okay. Like, not quite tearing the skin, but almost. That's disgusting to me. It's very gross. (laughs) So what's Gatsby's? I don't know. That's my point with it. It's not just us sharing things about us. Because, like, if this is the most, as you're saying, stripped down version of himself, what do you imagine his weird gross thing is that he does when he's all alone? I don't know. Do you think he's got, like, weird Howard Hughes toenails or something? Maybe. Maybe. Or, you know, or maybe something happened to him in the war. Which uh, is a thing that, like, the film didn't, doesn't address or whatever, but, like, maybe maybe at this point, maybe he's scarred, maybe he's, you know, and so he, so he keeps that all covered up because... 
he doesn't want anyone to know. Or it might tarnish his yes. image in some way. Yes. So maybe he's, you know, slathering some creams that I'm sure have arsenic in them. Yeah. Yeah. And <laughs> or so, lead so he does his that. Body. So he does then that's like his thing. And so when he's by himself, like legitimately by himself, mm-hmm. is the only time he can let go. Right. Because, yeah, if he doesn't go in the pool and his ears aren't under the water, I'm sure the whole thing turns out just a little bit differently. <laughs> I don't know if it would, though. Well, he might have heard something. Maybe. Well, let's get to it. Um, so Gatsby gets into the pool. He's swimming around, mm-hmm. as one does when they're in a pool. And out comes the most glorious paragraph in this book, I think. Um and Can I read it? Me? I'll read it. Oh, you read it? Yeah, yeah, we'll talk about this in a no second. No telephone message? Uh, that one? Oh, that's yours? Oh, uh, okay. Okay, go for it. It's long, though. That's fine. Uh, it says, No telephone message arrived, but the butler went without his sleep and waited for it until 4 o'clock, until long after... Wait, is the butler going to have an afternoon nap? Oh, yeah. What? I, because this is this this speaks to my theory. Okay. That there is a period of time in every day that Gatsby goes and does his own thing. Right. When the butler is asleep. Because if the butler's having a nap, mm-hmm. he's not watching Gatsby do his thing, whatever it is. So is he, like, scrubbing himself in the shower and, like, crying? Maybe. <laughs> like, I don't know. But but you know what I mean? Like, yeah. and just that, that idea that there's, there's a moment in the day... Mm-hmm. And, like, his kitchen staff are going to be in the kitchen. Like, they're not going to be wandering around the house, right? right. The butler's going to be the one inside the house. And so I feel like because the butler does this, and it sounds like it's a regular thing, yeah. that that's Gatsby's, like, truly Gatsby's only, like, real alone time. Interesting. Where he can kind of shed that mask that he's put on. What if he, like, takes off his face? <laughs> and he's, he's a red skull after <laughs> <laughs> Why are you the way that you are? Okay, I'm gonna start over. I'm gonna start over. Oh man! No telephone message arrived, but the butler went without his sleep and waited for it until four. Is Red Skull the name? Yes. Okay. Waited for it until four o'clock, until long after there was anyone to give. What? Until long after there was anyone to give it to, if it came. Thank you. I have an idea that Gatsby himself didn't believe it would come, and perhaps he no longer cared put in a pin in that. If that was true, he might have felt that he had lost the old warm world, paid a high price for living too long with a single dream. He must have looked up at an unfamiliar sky through frightening leaves and shivered as he found what a grotesque thing a rose is and how raw the sunlight was upon the scarcely created grass. A new world, material without being real, where poor ghosts breathing dreams like air drifted fortuitously about like the ashen, fantastic figure gliding toward him through the amorphous trees. Okay, so do you think that he no longer cared? Yes. Really? Yeah. Why? I think he found... I think I think when the phone message didn't come, right? Because he's so like, Daisy will call. And Nick's yeah. like, yeah, maybe. Probably not. The fact that Nick told him he would call at noon, but the phone line was busy mm-hmm. and being held like I think there's a whole bunch of things where he just had just sort of given it off and so maybe and then went for a swim because who the fuck cares anymore you know what I mean like right 
Was he trying to drown himself? I don't think so. Like, I just, I don't believe that he can just give up. I think he knew before then, before this point, that it was never going to happen. I think once he realized, and once he spent time with Tom Buchanan, realized that Tom was never going to give it up as easily as mm-hmm. he wanted him to, and I think that that sort of led him to, to be like, well. Okay. And now he's just, this is his final evidence that it's not going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. Because huh. see, my favorite paragraph. Yeah, is, I know you want to be like, go ahead. This is the second last one here. Mm-hmm. So, so as Gatsby's in the pool, there's this figure gliding toward him. Mm-hmm. And that, that ashen, fantastic figure of George Wilson. Um, but this is my favorite part here. This is after Nick gets back, he rushes up the front steps. Nobody seems alarmed about anything. No. Um, and then the chauffeur, the butler, the gardener, and Nick head down toward the pool. Yeah. Because no, Gatsby's not in the house. You know, he's not in the garden, so he's got to be somewhere. He's not mm-hmm. gone. So he's down, in, he's down in the pool. There was a faint, barely perceptible movement of the water as the fresh flow from one end urged its way toward the drain at the other. With little ripples that were hardly the shadows of waves, the laden mattress moved irregularly down the pool. A small gust of wind that scarcely corrugated the surface was enough to disturb its accidental course with its accidental burden. That's such beautiful. The touch of a cluster of leaves revolved it slowly, tracing, like the leg of transit, a thin red circle in the water. It was after we saw we started with Gatsby toward the house that the gardener saw Wilson's body a little way off in the grass, and the Holocaust was complete. Mm-hmm. That that last line is just. It's a gut punch. It for really sure. is. It truly is. I like this concept of accidental burdens. Oof! Yes, my mattress didn't have any idea what was going to happen to it. <laughs> yeah, let's really think about the true victim of this well, book. The mattress. I'm not saying the mattress, but I'm just saying, you know, like it, it serves a function, right? It serves yeah. a purpose, and it served its purpose very well, to be perfectly honest. Mm-hmm. But its purpose is not to, you know, be the resting place of a dead body. Right. Right? And so this is very accidental burden. Are there other people in this novel who you believe have accidental burdens? I think Daisy has the accidental burden of a child. Ooh. Pammy. (laughs) Oh, poor Pammy. Really? Like, they treat her like she's just like a plaything. Yes. Um... In so many ways. But no, I think I think that, that that, and I think that the accident, not so much the having of the child, but sort of this notion of like having to protect her child from the... Mm-hmm. the Just cold, the concept, perhaps, of family. That general. cold, cruel world, yes. Yeah. I think Nick has this accidental burden of secrets that he's stumbled his way into. Yeah. Um, again, making like, Jordan Baker is the one who's like sort of the least affected by all of this. Unbelievable. Like, truly. Yeah. She just hangs up on Nick. She's like, yeah, I'm out. See ya. See you, buddy. Bye. Yeah, and, and, and she's just, you know, but even even her burden of, like, that sort of fame and notoriety. Yeah. Um, I think of all of the people who have burdens, I think the least accidental is Gatsby's. Of course. Because his is all put on himself. Yeah, it's all purposeful. Everything Except for this is... last bit. Well... Obviously. No, but like, but no, the car crash and like, you know, and oh, the, okay. the the connection with Myrtle, like those things that shouldn't really have happened to him. But that is an accidental burden. That one. But everything else that yeah. happens to him is because of choices that he has made. Yeah. He's out there hustling. Yeah. For sure. Mm-hmm. 
so we have, my students always think it's really interesting how the, you could say two of the three deaths are people who've committed adultery. Mm-hmm. Thoughts? Yeah. Commentary? I mean, yes, that's a hard, that's a tough one. Because... And it's the two people who tried to rise out of their station. Yes, who end up getting it in the end. End up dying. Well, and I mean, I guess you, I guess the this this we're gonna get semantic here for a second. Myrtle sure. Wilson, yes, but Gatsby, I don't know. Depends on your definition. Explain. Well, it depends on your definition of adultery. Also, Gatsby didn't isn't the one who committed it. That would have been Daisy. But anyway, um, isn't adultery a two way street? Mm, I think technically no. Like, if you're the other. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's an affair, but it's only, it's adultery if you're the person who's, like, in the... In the marriage? In the marriage, I think. <laughs> like, we both just <laughs> we reached for... We both reached for... But I'm pretty house. sure. I'm, I'm pretty sure that that's... We both reached for the gun! Um, that's what that reminded me of. And we're... Do you know what's really it. terrible is the first... When I typed in adultery, the first thing that came up on Google is adultery divorce. Um... Okay, mine says voluntary sexual intercourse between a married person and a person who is not their spouse. Right. That still doesn't really answer. So they see it as an... It's almost like a verb. So here, in, in the Wikipedia definition... Adultery Divorce Alberta, is that what yeah. you said? <laughs> a single act of sexual intercourse is generally sufficient to constitute adultery, and a more long-term sexual relationship is sometimes referred to as an affair. And see, so in that respect then, I don't know if, like, Gatsby was a participant in an adulterous relationship. Because I, you know what I mean? In that respect. Right. Where, and, and, and maybe we could, we could argue the semantics of that all day. Tom and Myrtle... For sure, for sure. Yes. Like, Nick fucking hears him doing it. So, like, that. there's no... True. There is no doubt that that is what happened. That is the type of relationship. I kind of believe that Gatsby and Daisy's relationship, in in many ways, was very juvenile in comparison. Oh, absolutely. Because it was juvenile when they first met. Oh, none of them have progressed emotionally. No, but even, but even in, like, then. any kind of, like, physical intimacy, it was, I think, still fairly juvenile. For the and this because Gatsby, we talked. What, what do you say? What I'm saying is that like Gatsby has this this odd notion of propriety, and like yeah, but they were fucking for sure. Were they? I think they. Were. I don't think they were. I think they were. I don't think they were. The I've movie never alludes to it. For the movie, sure. yeah, but the movie's not the book. I don't. Then the movie's bad for lots of reasons, and that's one of them. I don't think they were. I they didn't know. I don't know. I just I've never I've never ever had that sort of read of it. This is what <laughs> at all. This is what I think. Okay, I think that Daisy's probably not fucking Tom. Oh no, she is certainly not. I think she's absolutely starved for some type of human connection. Yeah. And I think Gatsby would be a very gentle lover. <laughs> so, I think. Of course they must have. They've been doing this for like six weeks now. You're telling me it's just holding hands? Think about their first... Think of the first time that they... No, you are biased because you watched 
friggin' Lara Jean and Peter. No, yes, this is, no, this is like from like the first time. I've never it has never crossed my mind ever, and in like any meaningful way that that was the but nature. But they had of their sex when they were younger. But that doesn't mean that they're doing. I I'm just I don't get that sense because he's got this idea of her, you know, in this, in his head, and I just I've never it's never really been something that I've been like yeah that's a hundred percent like I just have never had that. No, I think they're totally fucking. Should we do a Twitter poll right now? Will anyone answer our question? No. Yeah, I will. Um, I'll do it. But it, I don't know. I just and it, and if they, are, I, I'm not saying that they're not. It's just it's never been a thing that like because I, I don't. To me, that's not the kind. It's not that it's not the kind of relationship that they have. But that's not the important part of the relationship. Like, do you know what I mean? <sighs> I think that to me is. So what is? I feel like there has to be a reason for Daisy to participate in this thing. Yeah, and I don't, I mean, I don't disagree with you. Um, I don't disagree with you that she's Are you doing like, it? I was going to do it. No, I'm being something, something entirely different. Okay. Um, I don't disagree with you that she's, like, starved for attention because she, and affection because she 100% is. But, but I, I think it's physical affection. But I don't think it's just physical affection. That's the difference. Whereas, like, someone else could very easily fill that physical need that she has, but I don't think that anyone else could sort of fill that emotional need that she has. No, I agree. And, and I think that that's for sure where it starts. Yes, but I think it quickly escalates to straight-up bone zoning. <laughs> it has to. Why does it have to? Because I think he's waited so long. So? It's about, it's about having her in all ways and consuming her. Yeah. And the one thing that he can't do is say that she's totally his because she's legally tied to Tom. Mm-hmm. That's the one thing that he doesn't have yet. Right. I think he's got everything else. The emotional, but he, but- the physical... But, uh, but because they've done it before, and that's the thing, is like, and, and it's just, I don't think that that was necessarily the thing that he was after. He just wanted her. And yes, in all ways, but I don't think that that was necessarily like the immediate thing for him. He just wanted her. And he wanted to go back to that like carefree, juvenile relationship that they had. But he's a goddamn man. Kelsey. Megan. <laughs> I agree with you completely. I can't believe this is our sticking point. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm I was thin. The fact that you're saying he's a goddamn man, I was like, yes. But have you not met all of all of the children out there who masquerade as men? Oh, I thought you were gonna say masturbate as men. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, there's a lot of them, and Gatsby is one of them. And Nick is one of them. And Tom's just a fucking playground bully. They're all children. Every single one of them. Okay, but Nick's totally fucking Jordan, right? Yeah, probably. I don't think Jordan has qualms. Oh, none whatsoever. If anyone is going to have qualms, it's Nick. Yeah. But I don't think it happens often. It, like, happens when she wants it to happen, which is not often. Because <laughs> she 100% holds holds the reins <laughs> in that relationship. And it's like when she said four whiskeys. Yes, yeah, and, and the lights are off. <laughs> 
And she's just, like, very disinterested in it. And there's absolutely golf clubs involved. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Of the three, here's an interesting... Here's an interesting point. We're off the rails now. Uh Of these three, like, sexual relationships in this book, Tom and Myrtle, and Jordan and Nick, and Daisy and Gatsby, Mm -hmm. Tom and Myrtle definitely have the best sex. Oh, absolutely. For sure. Absolutely. You know who I think is at the bottom? Jordan and Nick. Oh, yeah. It's clinical. It's it's clinical. (laughs) You're in and you're out. (laughs) But if, but if you think about, like, just, I mean, and obviously, like, Tom, when he gets mad at her and he breaks her nose and whatever, but there's, there's like, a passion involved in that yes. relationship that doesn't exist. In the other ones. Which is, I think, for me, one of the reasons why the idea of, like, Daisy and Gatsby having sex is not really a very important one to me. It's just very, it's very slow, and there's lots of kissing. In the, in the, it's like in the movie with the shirts. It's like and wind blows through the curtains. Uh, yeah, and there's a fall breeze outside. I haven't thought about this at all. No, <laughs> not even a little bit. But it, it, it's very much like it's very much like the shirts in the movie. You know how they like and then come down in slow motion. Are it's, you saying that their props are shirts? Maybe you never know. Gatsby, I want you to wear all of your shirts. <laughs> Gerald wasn't already dead. <laughs> I'm just saying. Oh, uh, the just poor. I've got some good ideas. The poor man's <laughs> rolling over in his grave right now. Fuck. Ooh, well, that's chapter eight. Um. Yeah. A lot of talk about fucking. Like a good ten minutes. About yeah. <laughs> it's like a regular podcast, just with books. Yeah. Um. Okay. So. We are going to talk really quick about chapter nine. There's not really a lot in chapter nine, really and truly. Like, there's a couple things um, where Nick sort of finds himself trying to arrange Gatsby's funeral and realizes yeah. that Gatsby has no one in his life. Like, legit no one. Meyer's like, no thanks. Yeah, and, and like, Daisy clearly is not. No. Doesn't um, come, doesn't send flowers. No, nothing. nothing. So Nick is like, Nick is it. Mm-hmm. Um... Which is really sad. It's super sad. Like, his dad does show up. Yeah. And we get this little... It's quite a sad scene um, about, like, how much kind of faith he had for his son. And he was going to be such a great man. And yada, yada, yada. And here's the house that he bought me. And I I keep a picture of it. And mm-hmm. then all this stuff. Like, I think Gatsby was a very good son. I don't know if he was very emotionally close with his father. Mm-hmm. I don't think so. But I think his father really admired him. But other than that, there's literally no one who comes after months and months yeah. of hundreds of people at his house every weekend. Well, and and it's interesting, like, he, he calls for Daisy. Mm-hmm. And they've just packed up and fucked off. They fucked, yeah. They're out of there. It's dick bags. Um, and then he calls... Uh, uh, he gets a, a number from Chicago, a call from Chicago, and he's assuming that it's maybe Daisy, and it's not. It turns out to be, like, a business partner or whatever. And then all of a sudden, when he's like, no, it's not Gatsby, Mr. Gatsby's dead, and then, like, they just, like, hang, hang up. Oh, <laughs> uh, uh, fuck. Like, it's just, and so, yeah, it's just Nick, and... Oh, and Allies. 
yeah, it's just Nick and and then and Mr. Gats, mm-hmm. not Gatsby, and he calls him Jimmy. Which it doesn't is, seem right. No, it but, doesn't. But seem that's right. clearly, you know. Is this why you feel like he's a young boy? Kind of. Because his dad calls him Jimmy. Yeah, his dad not? very much infantilizes him. I mean, he infantilizes himself in a lot of ways. But yes, he's he, I, he and he's not that old either. Like that's the thing. He's not that old. No, but like, doesn't your dad have like a nickname for you? No. Really? Not really. No. Sometimes when I leave, he'll be like, see you, kid. <laughs> that's it. But that's about it. No. But that's still, like, an infantilized I, name. I guess. But it doesn't happen very often. If I died, my they, they wouldn't be like, where's our baby? Like, do you know what I mean? That's not, that's not the kind of... I don't think that's exactly an equivalency here, but... I understand. Yeah, but no, I just... I've, I've often just felt that, like, yeah, Gatsby's... It's not that he's not capable of, of that kind of relationship I just have never really you know because everything that he presents is not what you'd expect somebody in that position to present like he's got this like big fancy house and you know whatever but he's like the most insecure like the most insecure person like all of these things and so like the public and the private are just so very different right but I feel like in that respect that very like private and intimate and personal I think he's probably what you see that's just kind of how I always thought of it okay fair Um, so yeah, funeral. So yeah, the funeral, and then Nick lies. I guess I don't know because when he says here to to Gatsby's father that we were close friends, I don't know if that's true or not. That's a hard one. I think because at one point in time in chapter eight, he's like, "Wow, I didn't think anything of him." Like you know, and then well, I think he's he's saying like in comparison with everyone else in Nick's in Gatsby's life. I mm-hmm. guess we would be close friends. Because I'm the closest thing to it. I think that's what he's trying to get at. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and then, yeah, like, then the phone rings and it's uh, Cliff Springer calls. Asking for his fucking tennis shoes. And Nick's the like, audacity. oh. Nick's like, oh, P.S. Gatsby's dead. Are you coming And the to funeral you? is tomorrow. <laughs> and he's like, oh, can the butler send my shoes? <laughs> like, what the fuck? Um, anyway. It's brutal, man. And then, uh, Wolf, yeah, then he goes to see Wolfsheim, and Wolfsheim's secretary says that he's gone to Chicago, but then he's, like, yelling at her from behind the door, so he's clearly not in Chicago. So as soon as Gatsby is no good to anyone, they just disappear. Yeah. And I think that leaves Nick in this sort of, in this position that he realizes that how, just how much advantage people took of Gatsby. Mm -hmm. And how much he allowed them to. For this singular purpose. Mm-hmm. Of getting to this point. Yes. Where he could be close to Daisy. Yeah. Like, he would, he literally did anything to get to that point where he could be a viable partner for her. Mm-hmm. And obviously we knew he did a lot of shady shit. Considering Meyer's essentially a gangster, and he has this rule of, like, oh, once they die, I, <laughs> I distance myself from Yeah. Her. Well, I think there's a literal distance that happens when they die, but thanks for that, Meyer. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. just utterly thoughtless. Well, and in that respect, maybe he he wants to, like, maybe he doesn't want people, like, poking around in... His own affairs. In his own, in, in the dead person's affairs, which would then lead them back to him. And so, you know, like, there's, there's an element, I guess, of self-preservation. What happened to ride or die, man? Like... I don't know. This is brutal. I don't know. 
what's the phrase now? Friends among thieves or some shit? No honor among thieves. No honor among thieves. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It's bad. And and, and I think that I and I think that this ending sort of reminds us that like as much as Gatsby was what he was. He also wasn't. He was nothing. Like he oh, was Oh uh-huh. yeah, he's literally nothing. Yeah. Like they could have rolled him into a freaking pauper's grave. Yes, and no one would have made any stink about it. Nothing. Whatsoever. Nothing, nothing, nothing. Um, Can we talk about his last meeting with Jordan? Yes. Because it's fucking amazing. Actually, before we do, okay. can we, I want to talk a little bit when, when um, Nick gets back to West Egg and he gets back to the house and he sees um, Gatsby's father and his overwhelming pride in his son mm-hmm. for all of this stuff that he has and just like these material possessions yeah and i guess coming from the the background that he came from it makes sense like look at what he was able to achieve and attain for himself mm-hmm. um and that's and possessions would be would be very important very important to someone who is legitimately dirt poor yes um and it's just uh and then we find out a little bit about gatsby mm-hmm. um from his father and uh, on the back cover, there was um, a schedule for a particular day. And it just shows you um, what Gatsby was like mm-hmm. um, in 1906. It's very adorable. It is adorable, but it's also very, very regimented and structured. Telling. And it is very telling about sort of how he how he lives. So maybe he doesn't take his skin off at night. I don't know. Like, you know what I mean? Um, I used to work with a girl. We would joke. She always wore pantsuits to work. Um, and we used to joke that at, at home she had like a home suit that she would like she would like unzip the work suit and take it off and then put on her like a velour like home suit or whatever. Oh Did and you she, joke about this with her? Uh, oh yes. Okay, good. Yeah, of course. And also when she wasn't around, but also with her, she knew that we were making fun of her. Um, but because we could never imagine her like not in a pantsuit, and part of it is because when she started teaching, she was like twenty three, and oh, was yeah. about five feet tall and looked like a child, and so like, yeah. And so there is, I get it. I, but it, in this case, you see the schedule, and the schedule reminds me a lot of her too, because she's that kind of person. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you see the schedule, and you see sort of the discipline that even in 1906 that Gatsby had. And so that's an interesting thing too, because very, it's very clear that he was trying to become something. Yeah. Even back then. Absolutely. Even back then, before he knew Daisy. Yes. He had some. He, you know, his his general resolves: no wasting time mm-hmm. at Shafter's or another establishment, no smoking or chewing, bath every other day, read one improving book or a magazine per week, save three dollars per week, and be better to parents. Fuck, I would love to do all those things. You know, and but but that was clearly like, yeah. you know, and be how better to parents. Oh. I know, I know. Stab you to. And then heart. and and his father says. Jimmy was bound to get ahead. He always had some resolves like this. You know, so this is something that... He's very, like, from a young age, obviously he's ambitious and Mm -hmm. he's driven. His parents knew Mm -hmm. that's what it was. I bet it was absolutely heartbreaking for them to have him essentially just walk away from the farm when he was 16. But Mm -hmm. what future did he possibly have there, Mm -hmm. truly? And then the funeral happens. And there's three people. There's Nick, and there's Mr. Gatz, and there's Owl Eyes. And Owl Eyes is absolutely bewildered that there's no one there. And he comments, I couldn't get to the house. Meaning, 
when things were happening. Mm-hmm. And Nick says, neither could anybody else. And that is such a brilliant fucking cutting line. Because it's in both respects. Yeah. And in the parties, no one could get there. But clearly no one could get there for right now. Um, and then Owlez just says, that poor son of a bitch. Because mm-hmm. he recognizes that... Well, it is a tragedy on all accounts, mm-hmm. truly. He's killed mistakenly for... Obviously, he was a part of the crime of Myrtle's death, but... Mm-hmm. He uh, didn't deserve that, I don't think. No. No, not at all. Um, and then Nick tells us a little bit when he goes back west... Which is kind of stupid. It is dumb. But then, yes, his last meeting with Jordan is phenomenal. <laughs> it's really great. And I think this is when Nick finally begins his like journey of self discovery and realizes, like, oh fuck, yeah, I fucked up. I fucked up. Yeah. Because she is just cold as fuck to him. Yep. Uh, she says, "You threw me over on the telephone. I don't give a damn about you now, but it was a new experience <laughs> for me, and I felt dizzy for a while." Oh she, yeah, Jordan Baker does not get dumped. She does not get dumped. Oh she no, is the dumper. <laughs> she says, do you remember a conversation we once had about driving a car? You said a bad driver was only safe until she met another bad driver. Well, I met another bad driver, didn't I? I mean, it was careless of me to make such wrong guess. I thought you were rather an honest, straightforward person. I thought it was your secret pride. And he says, I'm 30. I'm five years too old to lie to myself and call it honor. Fucking love that line. It's beautiful. Cause he's finally like, oh fuck. And he then said, he says, and he says she didn't answer. Mm-hmm. Angry and half in love with her, and tremendously sorry. I turned away. And I don't think it's sorry for the loss of their relationship. No, because he's not necessarily too cut out, of, cut up about it. But I think it's his participation in this whole fucking debacle. That's what he's sorry about. Mm -hmm. Like, he is recognizing, I am not without blame. Mm -hmm. Even though I didn't, you know, punch Myrtle in the face. Yeah, absolutely. Or drive her over with my car. Yeah. I facilitated a lot of the shenanigans that led to it. Yeah. Can Um, I retitle this book, Shenanigans? We could. (laughs) Or we could retitle it Careless People. Or we could retitle it Careless People Who Fuck. <laughs> careless Fucking People. Done. Or Careless People Fucking. <laughs> careless People Fucking. Um, so then Nick also meets uh, Tom Buchanan in October of that <laughs> This year. one's fucking great. It's pretty good. It's so um, good. Tom, I think we find out about Tom that Tom was in love with Myrtle. Mm-hmm. For real. For real. Like, actual, genuine, legitimate love. And that's, I mean, he's such a fucking asshat that I I really (laughs) hate to, like, feel a little bad for him, but I kind of do. What? In, in, In that respect, only because it took... All of this calamity and chat for him to like realize that you know that what I mean that he, that, he, loved. that he was a fucking bulldozer through everyone else's life, and but I don't was, think he knew that. No, and he was no, awful to her. No, I don't think her. he's learned that. No, but that but that it take took all of that and then he like finally actually loved someone. I think he actually loved her. I don't think that he 
takes any sense of responsibility for what happened to her, I think he projects that outward to Gatsby, for sure. He, um, so yeah, so I guess... So, um, Nick asks Tom what uh, Tom said to Wilson. Mm-hmm. And... Tom says, I told him the truth. He came to the door while we were getting ready to leave, and when I sent down word that we weren't in, he tried to force his way upstairs. He was crazy enough to kill me if I hadn't told him who owned the car. Not who was driving the car, who owned the car. Mm -hmm. His hand was on a revolver in his pocket every minute he was in the house. What if I did tell him? That fellow had it coming to him. He threw dust into your eyes just like he did in Daisy's, but he was a tough one. He ran over Myrtle like you'd run over a dog and never even stopped his car. And then, they did get a dog, I guess that's right. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Tom says, and if you think I didn't have my, my share of suffering, look here. When I, went, up to give, when I went, went to give up that flat and saw that damn box of dog biscuits sitting there on the sideboard, I sat down and cried like a baby. So you get that, that sense that he, you know, did truly love Myrtle. Not sure. Daisy. Daisy was just a possession to mm-hmm. be had because she had money. Yeah, I don't think he truly loves her. No, and then they had a child because that's what you do. And it's just, you know, whatever. Um, but then, Nick, this is might be the most like incisive piece of narration in this entire book, is this paragraph. You betcha. Right and it is fucking great. I couldn't forgive him or like him, but I saw that what he had done was, to him, entirely justified. It was all very careless and confused. They were careless people, Tom and Daisy. They smashed up things and creatures and then retreated back into their money or their vast carelessness or whatever it was that kept them together and let other people clean up the mess they had made. I shook hands with him. It seemed silly not to, for I felt suddenly as though I were talking to a child. (laughs) Then he went into the jewelry store to buy a pearl necklace or perhaps only a pair of cuff buttons, rid of my provincial squeamishness forever. So there's a lot there. But that idea of them being careless people just smashing into things is incredible. And what an image. Yeah, absolutely true. In the literal and the metaphorical. Yes. And I find there's something interesting about Nick not seeing himself as a part of that. No. Because he did exactly the same. He went along, participated yeah. in Tom's affair. Yeah. Participated in the subterfuge to get Nick and or Daisy and Gatsby together. But he's not including himself in that. No. Did he not think about potential consequences of, of Tom not. finding out? No. He's just the same as them. I wonder if Nick thought that perhaps Daisy would realize that her husband was such a fucking asshole and would be like, oh, Gatsby's so much better. You know what I mean? And so in that respect, it's, it's not that same carelessness of like... But Nick is such a man. Well, of course he is. Like, I don't think he really understands why Daisy can't leave Tom. No, I don't think he does. Like, truly doesn't understand why. No. Even if Gatsby will love her and treat her well and just have just the softest, slowest, gentlest sex. <laughs> he, he, he cries, doesn't he? He <laughs> definitely cries every time. Oh, uh. <laughs> It's just so funny to picture. Oh my god! It's really not actually, <laughs> but it I is. I imagine though now that we've now that we've opened this door that he probably does cry every time, just every single time. And she's at the but she's probably he feels connected to the yeah, universe. Which is after. maybe why she couldn't leave Tom. She's like, dude, 
Get your shit together. <laughs> like, if someone's gonna cry here, it shouldn't always be you, right? Like, I don't know. Oh, oh my god. I'm trying to fit in a Jamie Ben reference here so badly. My brain is just whirring, and I can't, can't make it happen. Okay, let's see what I can come up with. <laughs> Give me a second. Keep talking for a minute. I don't want to talk. Um, um, well, we have to talk about the ending, because this is one of the best, like... It's the most famous thing, I think. It is the fo- most famous, and it's so beautiful. Here's the thing about Fitzgerald. He was very, he was very, very wise, first of all, because he <laughs> predicted, like, the decadence and the downfall of that decadence in a way that, like, I don't think anyone really would have ever believed. And a really alarming criticism of yes. the aristocratic... Yes. Classes. That, like, and that new money sort of, yes. And, like, the credit system. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's incredible. And it's just, like, it's just, it's amazing. Because this book was published in, what, 1925? 26? Something like that? Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway. Um, this last section is beautiful. Nick, um, when he left, um, Gatsby's house was still empty and he would spend his weekends in New York City and not out mm-hmm. at his house because, you know, for whatever reasons. Um, but he, he was going to these glitzy parties and, 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 and so, or to get, to get away. And so he, he hears a car in the drive and saw the light at the front steps and then doesn't know who it was and didn't bother to go out and investigate. And then it says here, probably it was some final guest who had been away at the ends of the earth and didn't know that the party was over. Mm-hmm. And so then he, he leaves, he packs up his stuff and uh, he stands there sort of looking over this world that he inhabited for however long he was there mm-hmm. and reflecting on all of the things that he learned and or didn't learn, mostly mm-hmm. didn't learn. Um, at that point. And really considers the progression of time. Mm-hmm. He imagines the landscape as it was before it was developed and, and Gatsby even came to the world itself. And mm-hmm. Is that what you were going to read? Yeah, well, this, this he says here, um, as the moon rose higher, the inessential houses began to melt away until gradually I became aware of the old island here that flowered once for Dutch sailors' eyes. A fresh green breast of the new world. Its vanished trees, the trees that had made way for Gatsby's house, had once pandered in whispers to the last and greatest of all human dreams. For a transitory, enchanted moment, man must have held his breath in the presence of this continent, compelled into an aesthetic contemplation he neither understood nor desired, face to face for the last time in history with something commensurate to his capacity for wonder. Beautiful. Perfect. It's gorgeous. This unmeasurable imagination. But it's also really interesting that Nick is able to take all of the things that happened surrounding this house and the people in it and the houses across the way and just paint over it as if it didn't happen and it didn't Mm -hmm. exist. And that's like... But also see the potential origin of it. Yes. This essentially blank canvas of which anything could be made, anything could be imagined, anything could be... Uh, possible, and that definitely fits with that ruling class, and mm-hmm. also Gatsby himself. And then he he thinks about Gatsby and wondering like why Gatsby 
or, or when Gatsby first picked out that light at the end of Daisy's dock and how he, you know, was so close and this dream was just sort of like within reach at all times, but also like just out of it. Mm-hmm. And he's never able to actually get there. Yeah. And, and he had it in his grasp for a moment and then it faded away. Mm-hmm. Um, because of careless people, ultimately. Was Gatsby one of the careless people in that same respect? For sure. With who? For sure. He's careless with Daisy. He's careless with the intrusion of his life into hers. He's careless towards any implications of of getting Nick involved. Is Jordan Baker careless? Or does she, again, come out as, like, the best of them? She does. Which is so ridiculous because she is just an abhorrent person. She's terrible. She really is Like, if on the scale of, like, one to bad, right? But I don't think she necessarily acts in a way to... (sighs) I think if Jordan's gonna act to harm someone, it's gonna be to harm herself. Okay. Like, when she had the rumor about cheating. Mm -hmm. She probably cheated. Yeah. But I'm guessing she paid away the caddy that spotted it. Right. Right? Yeah. I don't think she's going to purposely act to get Nick in trouble. I don't think she's going to personally act to make Nick feel bad about himself. I think if she's going to do something stupid, mm-hmm. it's going to be against herself. Yes. Rather than ripple effect among the people near right. her. So, like, on a scale of those five characters, before we get to this last little bit, because it's, like, the best part to talk about. Yeah. On those five characters, the worst of them is who? I think it's Tom. Okay. And who is the best of them? But just to... Well, that... It's a hard question. How are you qualifying best? I don't know. What is best? I guess, like, you know, whenever I teach this book, and I think I said it earlier at the beginning, I always start off with, uh, with a thing, um... At the end of every chapter, we do a quick little reading quiz just to make sure they understand what happened. And the last question for all nine chapters is, on a scale of one to five, how much do you hate Daisy Buchanan? Mm-hmm. And in chapter one and two, like you don't. You feel really bad for her in, in chapter two, especially, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and even into three and stuff, and then all of a sudden you're like, oh, wait, she's fucking terrible, too. They're all bad, every single one of them. Mm-hmm. For different reasons and in different ways. But they're all just abhorrent people. So that's why I think that Jordan isn't necessarily careless. I think that Jordan is selfish. Oh, very much so. As Tom is selfish. But also careless. As Gatsby is selfish. Yeah. But I don't think Jordan is careless in that way. I think I think if we were to I think add, she's calculated. I think if we were to add maybe like some qualifiers here. Yeah. So maybe not even qualifiers, but like. Mm, adjectives to describe these people. Mm-hmm. We could we could say that every person of those five is selfish, mm-hmm. right? So so Jordan and Nick and Tom and Daisy and Gatsby are all selfish mm-hmm. in different levels, but they're all selfish. We could then say, in terms of being careless, that Tom and Daisy are definitely careless. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jordan is not careless. Mm-hmm. Gatsby is careless. Is Nick careless in that same way? Or is he somewhere in between Jordan and... Because I think a lot of the thing He doesn't... I mean, he participates, but he's not, like, an active participant in a lot of ways. I think he is... He believes... While his actions are careless, he believes them to be well-intentioned. And I think that's probably fair. Mm-hmm. So he's somewhere between Jordan and, and the careless 
bunch, right? Yes. Um, I think we could also say that um, particular characters are manipulative. Yes. Right? So Tom is manipulative. I'd say Tom and Gatsby are at the top. For sure. I think Daisy's the one who's at the bottom of that. For the minute. Oh, yeah. And Jordan is, like, very manipulative as well. Yeah. I'd say Tom, Gatsby, and Jordan at the top. And then Nick, Nick and, and Daisy, Daisy at the, at the bottom. bottom. And I also think that, um, I think calculating is, is another good one. Mm-hmm. Jordan is very calculating. I think Daisy is a lot more calculating than we give her credit for. Mm-hmm. I think she's much smarter than we give her credit for. Yes. I don't think Tom is very calculating. He's too dumb to be calculating. Mostly. And I think that's why he's at the top of the careless, because he's just walking through life. Yeah. And he is manipulative, but he's not calculating. Yeah. Um, Gatsby's obviously very calculating. Very calculating. Nixon... He's kind of in that middle. He's kind of in like the middle. Space he's on the lower yeah. section. Is there one more adjective that we could use to, like... These are all terrible adjectives, too, eh? They are. Because nobody's happy. Terrible. Nobody's happy. Nobody's happy. Well, I don't know about that. Okay. Do you think that Tom is happy? No. Why? Because he's in love with a woman he can't be with all the time. Mm. And he has to go on a charade with Daisy and there's, you know, and because of it. But I don't think he wants to let go of Daisy either. No, I know, but he can't, he can't have what he truly wants. And then she dies, so he really can't have her. But She's like, just a fucking discriminately? Well, I think he would like it to be more than that. But I don't think... Because there's that point, remember, where, like... Isn't it whatever chapter it is where he talks about how, like, mortals... Um... Hmm. We're talk about, we're, they're, they're talking about... They're talking about George, they're talking about Myrtle. Like, the Myrtle's either gonna leave or George is gonna... You know what I mean? There's, like, that bit... Where, like, he's so dumb, he doesn't know what's going on, and she can oh, just yeah. go, right? And so I think, like, he gets kind of what he wants out of it, or whatever, yeah. but but it's not enough. It's never enough, because he's a careless person, and he's... And you don't think Jordan's happy? I think of all of them, she's the happiest. Yeah. Because, like you said before, like, she has no qualms about having sex with, you know, whoever. Like, she's not she's not party to that, like, those lines of propriety or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think she goes through a lot of her life that way. So on the bottom, who I think Daisy's the most unhappy. Oh, I think so too. Absolutely. Now the question is, what will make them happy? For Jordan, I think it's being someone's trophy wife. Yes, absolutely. Like, I think if she was in Daisy's position... Oh my god, yes. I think she would love it. She would love it. She could be the trophy wife, and she could have her own affairs, and her husband could have his own affairs, and she would be so fucking happy. Because she could do all of the things that she wants to do, and he could do all of the things that he wants to do, and then when they have to appear together in public, they appear together in public. They would, and it would be fine. Yeah. It would be totally fine. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think Daisy is the most miserable. Mm -hmm. Um, because... Do you think she need, like, she truly... Needs the trappings of wealth. No. But she grew up that way. Mm-hmm. Do you but think she's resentful? Of the of wealth? wealth? I think a little bit. I think she probably has a pretty um, jaded sort of viewpoint of mm-hmm. what that does. Jaded's good. Right? I think, I think she's probably pretty cynical about what wealth is and isn't. Mm-hmm. Because she was in love with someone who had nothing. And that wasn't good enough. But she didn't know that he had nothing. 
No, but he didn't have as much as she did. That yeah. was the whole thing, right? And then that, and even still, it wasn't good enough mm-hmm. for her family, right? And so I think that her view, and then she ends up with fucking Tom. But she did love him at the start. At the start, of course she did. It's easy to love somebody who convinces you that you should. Whoa. Well, you know. It's true. There's, but it is, right? There's, like, that illusion of happiness and that, you know, and they're young and in love and whatever. Mm-hmm. But we know that Tom peaked at 19, <laughs> right? I think Tom knows he peaked at 19. Oh, I think that's part of the problem. I think he's deeply unhappy as well. Yeah. Oh, for sure. But because, but he has a little bit more freedom. So yeah. he can go out and seek the things that will make him happy. And whereas, fill his empty spaces. Yes, whereas Daisy doesn't have that. Or fill empty spaces. <laughs> whereas Daisy doesn't have that until it comes to her. Yeah. She doesn't get to go out and she seek it. She can't seek it out, no. For Nick, what do you think is going to make him happy? I think now that he's seen how easy it is to be cruel and awful. Mm-hmm. I think it will be like very like genuine love and not like that sort of like deep abiding and not just like a physical relationship with someone. That brings me to this thing I was reading about um, in this relationships courses essay there that I read about um, this woman in this course about love and relationships, their prof asked them, is love a feeling or a choice? I think it's an illusion, so let's roll with that for a while. But everyone in the class said, well, obviously it's a feeling. But why? But then she said, well, I um, talked to so many, you know, divorced couples and they said it's absolutely a choice. Uh-huh. I chose not to feel anymore. I chose to leave. Yeah. So I'm thinking, does Nick believe if love is a feeling or a choice? I think. Like if, if we're, because we're on that line of like what would make Nick happy. I think that in the time, the context of the time that Nick lives in. Mm-hmm. I think that everyone believed that love was a necessity. Mm-hmm. And that if you didn't love the person that you were with, you would grow to love them. Mm. So I think it's a different way than maybe we look at it now. So he wouldn't necessarily fit into either of those? Yeah, and I don't know if any of them did. Right? Like, I, I don't know if anybody... Well, no, I think Tom is a feeling and he finally felt it with Myrna. Whereas with Daisy it was a choice. Like yes. he chose to be in love with her even though he wasn't But even necessary. for Daisy like she she made herself love Tom mm-hmm. in the absence of Gatsby. Right. And she made herself re-fall in love with him because I think she felt she must. Yes. She had to. How could she not? Of course. Um, but no I think for Nick I think he views it as you know a thing that will come. I don't know if it's necessarily... So he thinks it's an eventuality? I think so. Huh. Well, and I think part of it is he looks at some motherfucker like Tom Buchanan, right? And is like, well, not only does Tom love Myrtle, Mm -hmm. but he also has Daisy, who, like, you know... Like, if he can, why can't I? Exactly. Or Nick. 
Me too, Nick. Me too. <laughs> Uh, do we have questions? We oh no, we have to talk about the ending. Oh, first. we have to talk about the ending. Though. It's a little disjointed. There was a fire alarm, <laughs> and Kelsey refused to leave. I've lived in enough apartment buildings that I know it ain't an emergency <laughs> <laughs> until the fire hose comes out. Yes, that's the rule. Unless you see a fire hose, you stay inside. <laughs> so the very ending of this book is probably the most famous because um, we've talked a lot about Gatsby and that sort of reaching for that impossible dream. Um, and so at the very, the very end here, um, when Nick talks about Gatsby picking out the, the green light at the end of Daisy's Dock, the very, very end of the book, um, he says, Gatsby believed in the green light, the orgiastic future that re- year by year recedes before us. It eluded us then, but that's no matter. Tomorrow we will run faster, stretch out our arms further, and one fine morning, so we beat on, boats against the current, borne back ceaselessly into the past. It's gorgeous. Mm-hmm. I always picture, like, two little rowboats tied up on a dock. That's, like, my... Rather than, like, just out there. Mm. And so, like, they're pointing in a particular direction, but they're not moving. They're just kind of, like, stuck. Oh. In that... See, I see it as, like, you know, getting closer and closer to the waterfall, but trying to go in the opposite direction of the waterfall. Oh, that's how okay. I perceive it. Is it a rowboat? For me, it's always a rowboat. It's always a. Did I say robot? No, 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 no. (laughs) No, you just said boat. You didn't. But I just, I just always, always see a rowboat. Always. Yeah, me too. It's not, and I don't know anything else. I don't know why. Well, I think it's that action of beating on. Maybe. I don't think we can make that same kinetic connection to a sailboat or. I don't know, a fucking dinghy? I don't know what kind of boats there are. Well, no, but but it's interesting that, like, it's always a rowboat when, like, you know, the more experience that I've had, like, with boats would be, like, canoes and kayaks and things like that, but it's never that. It's always, like... But I think it's that... I think canoes and kayaks are very Canadian. Yes, but it's... I perceive them that way. Yeah. But even still... It's a different culture. But even still, just, like, Like, do you think Nick, of all people, has ever been in a kayak? No. Maybe possibly a canoe, <laughs> but definitely a rowboat. Maybe a canoe. But definitely a rowboat. He didn't plan on ending up in that canoe, no. but he did. Yeah. So, what has Nick learned through this book? That is always my favorite question to ask my kids. What's, what does Nick Carraway learn? My answer is nothing. I don't think he learned much. I think he learned about the complexity of people. Mm-hmm. Because I think he struggles with the gray area feelings he has about Gatsby. Mm-hmm. I don't think he has gray feelings about other people. No. I think he's very black or white. Mm-hmm. I, I like him or I don't. I approve of him or I don't. Um, and I think he's grown up. I think he's recognized his own frailties, the way in which he lies to himself, as he says. Mm-hmm. Do I think that he's going to change? Oh, no. No. The only way he changes is if he stays away. Mm-hmm. And I don't think he can do that. I think, I think, I think this, the unfortunate part for Nick is he caught that, like, whiff of that sort of exciting life and that glitz mm-hmm. and glamour and whatever. I mean, you know, months later he's in New York and that's where he sees Tom and, you know, like... Yeah, so the, the disenchantment is only for that specific group of people mm-hmm. and how they behaved mm-hmm. in Nick's personal feelings but if we're thinking about the broader sense of Fitzgerald feelings it definitely applies to everyone including Nick oh absolutely do you think that Fitzgerald liked Nick no like did Fitzgerald see himself as him I don't think so 
I don't think so either. No. Nick's so dumb. <laughs> he really is. He is. And Fitzgerald is not dumb. Like, that's sort of the... Nick's so disconnected and aloof, even though he has no reason to be. It's true. So do you agree with his last lines here? I think so. I think that we're all, we all fall victim to this. I think that we look for two things, right? You know, that both, both cases where like, you know, in the next morning, tomorrow I'll do this and tomorrow I'll, you know, there's that, that, oh, today was fucking bad. So let's make tomorrow better. Like that kind of thing. And I think that we're at the point now where we really get stuck in ruts when it comes to the things that we do and, and, you know, and, and part of it is just like, like we're at that point now where you get up and you go to work and like there's that routine and whatever that sort of exists within it and that as much as you'd like to you know throw off all of your responsibilities and whatever and like fuck off for seven months it's not possible in the same way that we would like it to be when we're kids right or like you don't have that carefree yeah right but then we also like to we love to live in the past Nostalgia is a powerful thing. But all, but nostalgia, but also like sort of that negative memory, right? And looking back and like repeating the past and like that idea of like, you know, I did this before, I can do this again. Yeah, or fuck, I did this before. Yeah, I really shouldn't be doing it again, but let's, you know, or whatever, like whatever it is. And I think that like we are right because that current is is working against us at all time. And part of it, I think, is trying to sort of go forward but use the things that we've learned to like make that forward better Mm -hmm. which is why the rowboat thing is really interesting to me because that's how you sit in a rowboat Mm -hmm. is your back your your back you're going backwards your back is 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 to the future essentially yeah absolutely. and you're looking looking back into the past at where you've been and you can't see where you're going yeah which i think is true right i think it's very rare to find people who really are like, well, you have to be, like, a visionary. Yeah, to right. really know where you're going. Yeah. Like, I kind of always knew I wanted to be a teacher, mm-hmm. but, like, I didn't know what that looked like yeah. until I'm here. Mm-hmm. And in the however many years I've been teaching, it's not been what I thought it was going to be. That no, is for is. sure, right? But, you know, but what that direction looks like. I'm pretty sure I'm going to be a teacher until I retire. Probably. Mm. But I don't know for sure, right? And even even that is an uncertainty, mm-hmm. right? And so, like, I think that we have this this idea that, like, there's this great future out there waiting for us if only we can get to it. Mm-hmm. But it's that question of, like, what makes you happy and mo- can money buy happiness and all these things? And, like, you get to it and then it's not enough. It's mm-hmm. like Tom. He's got Daisy. He's got this prize. Mm-hmm. They have a child together. And it's not enough. It should be enough, but it's not. And then he has Myrtle, and that's still not enough. Like, there's just all of these... And I think that that's just sort of the the idea that Nick finally comes to that realization. Maybe at the very end there. Yeah. You know, that the thing that we want is out there, but it's ultimately unattainable. Yeah. And it's also, like, intangible. Yes. There is no... It's... True end point. No. Because if you do, perchance, get that thing... Like, Gatsby almost had Daisy. What was his next move? Like, how could he adjust himself? Well, and that's an interesting point that John Green brings up in his one of the two videos where he talks about there's always there's a question of, like, what are they going to do with the child? Yeah. And like, poor Pammy, really. Like, she's just, she's just an accessory. 
ultimately. Yeah. But really, I think that I, I, and I think, and John Green makes that point that like, you, well, what, what were they going to do with that child? Like, guess we just wanted to pretend the last five years didn't happen. Well, guess what, Bucko? There's a kid, mm-hmm. and Tom's not going to take her. Absolutely not. Right. Tom didn't even care to be there for her birth. Yeah. Tom does not care. So yeah, it was just anyway. It was that whole that whole idea. So can you repeat the past? No, of course you can't. No. Um, we do. We try to all the time. So do you think that Fitzgerald is saying here that dreams are pointless? No, I think he's saying it's okay to dream, but I think he's reminding us that like there's a difference between a dream and a fantasy, right? And that like. <laughs> Having a conversation in your head before you have it in real life is not a good idea because you will be disappointed. Like, do you know what I mean? Unless you are very good at that. Yeah, but you know what I mean? Like, you can't, you, yeah. you can't imagine for other people mm-hmm. what they will say and how they will react in certain situations. You can only, like, kind of be in your own reality. And so if you have a dream, sure. Yeah. But just know that it will, you know, it'll fade like smoke. Mm-hmm. Because you're not... Just when you're almost there. Right? Interesting. I agree. Okay. We have a lot of questions that we've been given about the end of the book here. We're going to return to one we talked about before now that we've seen the whole book. Uh, is Nick in love with Gatsby or his, is he just in love with money? I think he's a little bit in love with Gatsby. Me too. I think... And I think it's veering into, like, an unhealthy obsession, to be perfectly honest. Um, but I don't think it's necessarily, like, romantic love. It's like misery? Well... I'm the biggest fan. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I think, you know, no, I don't know. Maybe, no, I shouldn't say romantic love. It's maybe not, like, a sexual love. I don't think it's that. But I think that, like, Nick almost envisions himself as, like, Gatsby's sort of, like, perfect match. Mm-hmm. In a lot of ways. Well, yeah, I c- they are very compatible. Yeah, and they get along, like, they do, they, they get along very well, and there's, they have things in common, which is odd, because they shouldn't. No. Um, and but the only thing that they have in common is Daisy and the war. Yeah, but like, that, that's really it. But that's a foundation for something that, you know, Gatsby doesn't have with anyone else. Sure. Right? And then Nick doesn't really have with anyone else in this in this context in this anyway. Environment. Yeah. Um, and but I think that because of that sort of fantastical world that they're in, right, and you know, in the distance from his real life and whatever, mm-hmm. like I think that that enables Nick to sort of build a fantasy life for himself that definitely includes Gatsby. Do you think he feels like he's on this moral high ground because he fought in the war? Yes. Like all you fuckers stayed. Absolutely. I was a real man, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, 100%. And Daisy was like, doesn't even know that he was in the war? Yeah. Huh. I think so. Uh, next question. Um, do you think that Nick is actually going to be okay in the end? We talk about, like, his happiness. But I think he will be. I think he'll be okay. I think the distance, once he gets a little bit of time and distance from all of the stuff that happened and sort of is able to process it and look back on it. And, like, at the end when he sees Jordan, he's 30. Mm-hmm. And then two years later, when he's telling the story... He's grown up a little bit more. And then, you know, I think as he gets a little bit older, I think he'll be able to look back on it with a little bit more, like, a little bit clearer vision and be like, yeah, okay. Uh, Thirdly, can the Midwest values save America? Oh, no. 
I feel like the answer to that question is a big old fucking no. No, hard no. They don't have any complexity to them, unfortunately. No, no there's very, there's too much, there's too much binary mm-hmm. in that. There's like, there's very clear codes about right and wrong, and I think that that is harmful. Mm-hmm. I totally agree. Um, this one brings us back to the last lines. Why can't we just go with the current? Why do we have to we're be afraid. backwards? We're afraid. But if we just let go... We're afraid. Because we don't know where it's going to go. And we like to be in control of things. And some of us like to be in more control than others, but I think that, by and large, I think we like to be in control. Mm-hmm. And we like to sort of have an idea of where that journey is taking us. And I think it's really difficult to allow the world to just let it happen. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I think that's why. Do you think that it's because we are too focused on the wrong things? Of course. Like, not necessarily, like, the past, but the goal itself is is a wrong goal. Of course. Like, is that part of it? I think so. I think that, yeah, like, we're always striving for more and the thing, that thing, whatever that thing is. And mm-hmm. I think that, yeah, sometimes it's... I think that that's sometimes, like, a false journey. Mm-hmm. Well, like, is that... I'm trying to say, like, is that the purpose to life? To strive towards a goal? I think so. To go somewhere down that stream? Well, I don't know if... I don't... I don't know. Well, I guess it's an, maybe an invented purpose because, like, it's really hard for people in general to, like, just sort of float around, you know? Aimless. Mm-hmm. And And the society that we have developed doesn't allow us to do that. You don't think so? Not well. No. No, not at all. Because if you're if you're out of school for too long without a job, or you're unemployed, or you you know like you have kids and you take your mat leave and then you decide not to go back to work, like there's you know what I mean like there's these things like well, what are you gonna do with your time? Who yeah. the fuck cares? You know I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna sit and do nothing. Why does it matter? Yeah. Well, what are you gonna do? Like, you have to be a productive member Somehow, of yeah. And so I think that idea Fucking of... capitalism, man. I feel like that, that <laughs> aimlessness is hard to achieve because there's this, like, external driver that's saying, like, you gotta do a thing. The societal pr- pressure yeah. itself. Interesting. Lastly, our very last question here, before we get to our end of chapter, how much would you want to attend, etc. In chapter 8, we kind of talked about this, was Gatsby essentially waiting to die? Did he know that he had lost? And then we had a poem that was sent to us from our friend Tasha about Mm -hmm. Icarus. I think Gatsby did realize that he'd been defeated. Like I said before, I think he finally did. Like, okay, well, alright. This is what it is. Yeah, and so I think that that was just kind of... I don't think he knew he was going to die. I don't think that's what his defeat was. Mm. I think that... I I quite honestly believe that his death sort of spared him the indignity of defeat in a lot of ways. Because he doesn't have to live... He doesn't have to pack up... Yes. He doesn't have to pack up his house and and walk away from Daisy and... And know that Tom was victorious. Yes. So I think that it it saves him a lot in those respects, but I still think that, like, he was waiting. Mm -hmm. I don't think he was waiting to die, but I think he he was sort of resigned to not winning anymore. So did Gatsby fly too close to the sun with his wax wings? Absolutely. Yeah, he did. 
You gotta stay in your place, bro. And on a scale of one to ten, how much would you want to go to this party being Gatsby's funeral? Um, I think... Well, it's interesting, because I think that, like, no one knew the real Gatsby, right? And so... I'm sure that the, the hangers-on at his party is were like, well, I didn't really know the guy. I never met him or only met him once or, you know, whatever. So they weren't really, they didn't have that personal connection. But I think, like... And by now, there's talk of papers writing things about him and the mm-hmm. rumor mail really getting out of control. Yeah, and so you don't want to be associated with that. Yeah, there's a distance. But, um, yeah, I mean, the funeral itself is a pretty modest affair. Mm-hmm. And I think that was obviously by design on Nick's part, right? And then his father's part. Do you think that he legitimately deserved more people there? Probably. I think, so, again, it goes back to that idea of people taking and taking and taking. Mm -hmm. That that would have been the time for them to give back. You know? Out of respect for the things they took from him. That's true. I mean, and ultimately, they took his life from him. They did, but that's a question of what is his life? Is it his money, or is it his capacity for hope? Is it his vision of Daisy? It's everything, all together. But I think they took that away from him by, you know, getting drunk on his his charity. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. Poor son of a bitch, as Cliff Springer says. That's true, though. He is. You know? (sighs) The end of it all, he has nothing. Young Jimmy. Yeah. I hate that now. It's so weird though, hey? It's, yeah, it's... So that's that. He doesn't seem like a Jimmy. What about him as a Jimmy? Jimmy Gatz versus Jay Gatsby? I think he's a Jay. Well, he's a James. Yes. And so then he's but a But he's not formal enough to be a James. No, but he's... He doesn't have the yeah. background... But he's a, but he's a Jimmy when he's at home in Minnesota. But that still doesn't feel right for him. Sure it does. I think his that little schedule in the, from that book that his father showed is him trying to escape Jimmy and become something else. Oh, for sure. Right? Maybe that thing that he does in his quiet time is just like... Mm-hmm. Write out his name. Yeah. James Gatsby. Yeah. Over. J. Gatsby. Over and James over and over again. Gatsby. Yeah. Practicing a signature. Yeah, and practicing saying old sport and mm. yeah. Like a robot. Yeah. Is that all we got? That's all we got. That's it. Thanks for listening to this really long episode of Both Is it? It's an hour and forty five minutes. What? Yeah. Shit. Um but thank so you so much to do. <laughs> thank you for listening to us. That was phenomenal. Uh if you have questions or you have comments, like please, you know, on our post or whatever, like let us know. Yeah. Um, hit us up on Twitter with some stuff and we'll probably do like other books and things yeah absolutely in the future and maybe some more movie commentaries I have a really good idea for one do we oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> we won't talk about no, it no right we now. just might do it yeah. anyway um, yeah thank you so much for listening to our uh, summer book club we really appreciate it we do we hope you enjoyed it question mark question mark maybe I don't know how to end these things anyway thanks for listening bye <laughs>